Bring him to health and strength once again. Thank you, Father, for anyone ailing in this room, symptoms or sickness or disease or pain. We thank you that you bore stripes upon your back, bore that in your body. You laid over the whipping post. You declared in your word that by your stripes we are healed. We thank you that your power is present right now in this room to bring healing. For you are present. Where any two are gathered together in your name, you are right here in the midst of us. Jesus, the great physician, the healer. So we thank you. You're moving amongst this congregation. People know who they are. They know what they've struggled with. I thank you right now that there is a touch from heaven, the anointing of God, as only you can do it. Not through the hand of man, but by the touch of the finger of God that you'd begin to work in their bodies, a healing and a cure in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for utterance to speak as we ought to speak. We look into your word this morning as it is in truth the holy written word of God. So we approach it with reverence and respect, knowing that it is truth. And Jesus said, if we'd know the truth, the truth would make us free. So we ask you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. The eyes of our heart would be flooded with light that we, will, each one of us, might know the expectation of our calling. We give you the glory and the honor, the praise and the thanksgiving for everything that will be accomplished by your word and your spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning, church. How are you this morning? Welcome to 1030 service. We're so glad that you are with us. If you are visiting with us today, we are so glad that you're here. Welcome. Uh, our prayer for you is that something in the fellowship or the praise and worship or as the word of God is brought to you that will equip you to go out and minister life to others around you in your sphere of influence. If you're here and don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we pray that the word will come and penetrate your heart, that you see that he is exactly who the Bible says that he is, that he came not to condemn you, not to punish you for your sin, but to bring forgiveness of sin that you might have fellowship with God. Amen. Well, look at somebody next to say, the life of God dwells in me and the life of God dwells in you. Therefore, you have victory in every situation, under every circumstance, and in every place. And your victory releases a fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere you go. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Just want to make a, a couple of announcements uh, before we get into the word this morning. Uh, first of all, uh, as is our custom, uh, we will be receiving a missionary offering on December the 18th. And so uh, we, you know, a number, number of years ago, uh, you know, we were involved in missions and then we started sending missionaries from this local church uh, into different parts of the world. And, uh, you know, just talking to them and knowing, you know, they're, they're living on monthly support and, and um, you know, sometimes just making ends meet. And, and when they're in different countries, they can't just work extra. And so uh, I believe God just put it on our hearts to bless them. Everybody likes a little bit of Christmas bonus to bless them. You all have been a tremendous, tremendous blessing to our missionaries. And uh, so we're just asking you ahead of time, just pray, ask God what he would have you to do. And then together, many hands make light work. You always are a tremendous blessing as that comes in. But we'll be doing that again December the 18th. And then uh, again tonight and 
And really, I know that everybody says throughout December on Sunday night services, uh, but next week we have uh, youth service, then Christmas uh, on the 25th. And so actually on Sunday night, it will be tonight and the 18th. And so uh, Monday nights we'll be praying after prayer school at 8 o'clock, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday morning we'll be praying. And so if you can't be with us, the premise that we're praying uh, as Pastor Tasha said, somewhere in July this summer, I was praying. I just kept getting this urging that we should begin praying earlier than normal. And so uh, for a number of years, we started in January 1st, and we prayed for whether 21 days, uh, uh, prayed and fasted at different times, uh, maybe 10 days, just whatever we felt led. It just seemed right uh, to start early. And so uh, we have been praying uh, in the morning, staff and others that come Every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday morning, uh, this particular year, I think we've prayed all year long, right? And uh, uh, at eight, so we're going to keep that up, uh, <clears throat> but just seemed like we were going to press in. And so if you're not able to be with us, we're really the premise of that we're launching into this new year that I believe the Spirit of God put in my heart is Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verse 5, says, um, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding in all of your ways. Somebody say, all of your ways. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. So many times we don't acknowledge him in all of our ways. We're looking at, you know, our church ways. What should I do in church? Or how, you know, how is my business going to go, my finances go? But I really, it's very difficult to get him to just guide that one area. But if you give him all, if we give him all of our ways, it says he will direct our paths. He said if we're not wise in our own eyes, we depart from evil. It'll be health, life, and strength. Right, And so there's some things that are not God that we wouldn't call evil, but since they're not God, it allows the enemy place. So we want to just find out and depart from those ways. And I believe in that, as we're praying God revealing that, even health is going to come to some. Where you may have been praying and believing God, you're going to give it to him. He's going to direct your path. And uh, all of a sudden, we're going to find health and strength in areas because he's going to reveal it. We just lay that all before him. And uh, sometimes those things are connected. We're praying for health, but we haven't given him our emotional ways. And so emotionally, we're all over here, and it's affecting our health. But when we give him our emotional ways, sometimes we haven't given him our thoughts so that he can help us take captive those thoughts, and those thoughts are running us a way that's contrary to our health. And then simply sometimes, you know, there's, it's an attack of the enemy to kill, steal, and destroy. But if we give him all of our ways, he can give us direction. So that's the premise we're going on. Those are the things that, uh, you know, we'll share some things, uh, and then we'll pray. Some on Sunday nights, and then Monday nights, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday morning, uh, throughout December. Um, and again, if you, I, I suggest it, uh, we can't ever make anybody, but uh, at some point in there, set a time of fasting. And really why most people don't fast and pray in December is because um, it's Christmas. What? Yeah, it's, it's mostly a time from Thanksgiving to the New Year is a time of feasting, not fasting. But what better time to find a period of time to put your flesh under, Right? And so, you know, there's a lot of changes here I think God's trying to help us with because most people use the first of the year to fast as a dietary uh, strategy rather than really giving themselves to God 
for prayer. So that's what we're going to be doing. Amen? Praise the Lord. Open your Bibles with me to Matthew, the first chapter. We have been in a series of messages, and I, I believe that it's very important for us to understand at this period of time. Again, God does not live in time and space, but we do. And however he created us with day and night, he created us to live in time and space. So there's always references for us. Thank God he lives in eternity. So he can move through time and space and make things happen, uh, uh, bring things about that we would call miracles or supernatural, but we live in time and space. So we understand for us uh, in, in the area that we live in that we're starting a new year. So many people look at that in, in different ways, but I believe that there's marked out periods of time that we can mark out because we can mark them out because we live in time. We can, uh, his, by history, put on calendars when God has done something, and I believe that God has begun and is doing something that will increase. It will pick up its momentum, its speed, and its power in 2023. And, you know, even when we talk about praying into the new year, it just seems to me, I don't have a word, it just seems to me that we're not just praying to get started, that we are to be praying into 2023 and into 2024. So somebody might say, well, I'm praying into five years. I'm just saying I'm impressed that we really pray into 23 and 24, this momentum uh, that I believe that is, is continued to increase. And what does God want us to do in this time? And so in that, we are going to have to know the authority that we live in. We're going to have to know the authority that's been given to us by God. Because the time is short, Jesus is coming again. He's coming for a church, a bride without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That we live every, every prophetic sign of living in the last of the last days is, is starting to be checked off. Except for there's many, many people out there who don't know Jesus. And God's not waiting. He's not slack as we would count slackness. God, why don't you come? I'm saved. I'm ready to go to heaven. I'm tired of this world. Just take us out. Well, there's a whole bunch of people who don't even know and would be left behind if Jesus came. And so he never put in our heart to be selfish, that we could just get out of here and go to heaven, but that we would live as a light, that we would have a boldness, that we would take our authority in Christ within the sphere of our influence so that those who are lost might come to know Jesus Christ. And when that mission is complete, then Jesus will come again. Because he's not slack. He's not just waiting simply as we would see it for another event or another moving of the Spirit of God so the church can have some excitement or fun. He's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. He's waiting for your relatives and my relatives that don't know Jesus. He's waiting for the people that you work with that seem like they never would even want to know Jesus to know him. He's waiting for the church to be bold enough not to tell people how wrong they are and they're going to hell, but to actually understand the ministry of reconciliation so they can tell people God does not want to hold your sin against you. He's not sending you to hell. He's not condemning you. He sent Jesus. 
because sin will send you to hell. Sin will condemn you, but Jesus will save you. And it's just a simple act of love to tell people that. They're already ready for you to tell them they're going to hell and they need religion. They're, they've already determined how they're going to argue that case. But they have trouble arguing with the love of God. Their question that it seems we've had such a difficult time answering is how can a God who loves people send them to hell? And why we as the church have not been able to answer that question makes me scratch my head. God will not send anybody to hell. People choose to go there. Jesus is the solution to hell. When people choose to reject Jesus, they choose separation from God and the end result is hell. God has done everything that he can do because he loves people to rescue them from hell. But see, the mindset that people have is like, I'm doing fine in my life, and when I stand before Jesus, he's going to send me a different direction. No, you're living apart from God, and the end of that after death is hell. That's how it is because of Adam. But God sent Jesus to rescue you from that situation. And he said, if we could just tell people simply how much God loves them and he's not imputing their trespasses, he actually sent Jesus to save them from that and not just get them to heaven, but give them a life that is free from sin and the destruction that comes from it. Thank you for your enthusiasm. And so it's an exciting thing when you get to share Jesus with someone and they say, how do I get saved? And you say, well, let me just pray with you. Do you want Jesus to be the Lord of your life? Yes, I do. Do you believe that he died for your sin and God raised him from the dead? Yes, I do. Well, then let's just pray this simple prayer. And you just pray with him. Jesus, come into my heart, be the Lord of my life. I believe that you died on the cross. Raise Jesus from the dead so that I may be forgiven. So right now I renounce sin and ask Jesus to come into my heart and be the master of my life. Amen. And when you pray that with somebody and you open your eyes and you look in their eyes and know they are no longer bound by sin and they will not spend eternity separated from God, but they'll be joined to Jesus. It'll do something right down on the inside of you. You might be fearful to do it and afraid you'll be rejected, but the day you're not rejected and you pray that, it'll change your heart knowing that you've had a part of somebody's eternal salvation. You've just reached from this moment into all of eternity for the sake of someone else who was destined for hell. You can do it. You can do it. We're commissioned to do it. But so often we're developing. See, the enemy doesn't want you to do that. And so the enemy's out there and he's putting thoughts, he's putting fear, he's intimidating us with different lies that come. And so we spent a couple weeks talking about the authority of God's word. And when we get the authority of God's word down on the inside of us, in our heart, then it gets into our mouth. And then we begin to declare some things and some things get established. And we declare the truth of God's word. And, and all, when we declare that and establish it, 
when we begin to understand that we have authority by God's word. This word of God is forever settled in heaven. Forever settled. God's not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he'll do it. You say, well, I, I, I declared something that didn't happen. He didn't say he would do it on your timing. He said he would do it. Most of us abandon that because of our timing and we miss God. Thank God Abraham didn't abandon it because Isaac didn't come in the timing he wanted. Thank God Joshua and Caleb didn't abandon it because it took 40 extra years because of unbelief of others. But they stayed in faith and they saw the promise of God come to pass. Again, I encouraged you last week to go to Hebrews chapter 11 and read that list of people who by faith did things because they believed in the faithfulness of God. And when they put it to action, they actually saw things take place just by God. God said it would rain. He said, Noah, build an ark. Noah said, we've never even seen a boat. It's never even rained. How am I going to build a boat? But he stayed with God, and it says, by faith, he built an ark. By faith, he loaded that ark. By faith, he floated. By faith, the, the, when the flood receded, Noah came out, and a new generation was started. By faith, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Sarah believed God, and they had a son, Isaac. And through Isaac, all of eternity was affected because of their obedience. Because Jesus came through that lineage. God wants to do something great and eternal through our lives. We can't see it because we're so temporal. It's tough to grasp. When we begin to read the word and get it down into our hearts, we know that there's an eternal purpose in us. The Bible says that he put eternity in your heart. He didn't just put 80 years here on earth. He put eternity in your heart. And when we have eternity in our heart and we look at the loved ones around us, we know we want them to spend eternity with us. Because there's something in eternity. It's not just now how we act. There's eternity in our hearts. So we get the word of God down in our hearts. It has authority when it's declared. Why? Because it's truth. And when we declare the truth in whatever area, we declare the truth over our children. We declare the truth over our finances, over our body, over our thought life, over uh, 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 you know, our calling. We begin to declare that. We begin to see it and declare it. What are we doing? We're declaring truth. So then what are we establishing? We're establishing truth. What is the weapon of the enemy? A lie. He's a liar and he's, he's the father of it. And he's good at it. Listen, if you were the father of lies, if you got called the father of lies, that would mean you are really good. And unfortunately, maybe some of you have been called something similar in your old life. But the thing, no matter how good he is at it, the truth will always expose the lie. So unfortunately, many Christians have become victim to the subtlety of the lies of the enemy simply because we don't know the truth. We don't know the truth. 
And so I believe that it's very important. I'm just trying to pastor us. It's very important that this year, if you, like never before, that you really find areas of the word of God to study, to meditate on them in different areas of your life so that you get there where you know something's not right here, that you begin to get into the word of God and begin to study it and all of a sudden know this is what's right. I'm going to speak it. I'm going to establish it no matter how it's been, no matter what comes into my mind, I'm going to capture that and I'm going to bring everything captive to the obedience of Christ. My life is going to change. My health is going to change. My mindset and outlook, my ideology will change and come in line with the truth as we declare that. And the authority of the word, the living word of God will help you do that. See, we've fallen into the place where we're always looking at why or, or, or can somebody do this for me or can somebody hold my hand through this? But at some point, you just have to say, I'm going to read the word. I'm going to let the spirit of God do something and then I'm going to start declaring it. Not what I want, but what he reveals to me. I'm not going to twist it to make it fit into my category, but I'm going to declare truth in a situation. And when we do that and realize and have revelation of the truth, the truth will set you free. Amen. Praise the Lord. It'll set you free. You can live like the gates open. Come on. It's a time of freedom. And so really, you know, we all, to some degree, we don't necessarily like the responsibility. But most everybody I talk to would like to have authority. Just to boss one person around. Come on, it's kids, it doesn't even seem, it seems like the dog has more authority. So we grow up always thinking, when am I going to get to be the boss of something? And really, you can't ever really be the boss of anything except for you take responsibility. But here's one thing that most people don't even want to deal with. But he says, listen, if you want to take authority over someone and know that you have the right to do it, take authority over the enemy. Take authority over the enemy of your soul. Quit thinking about other people you can boss around or that boss you around and they don't deserve it. And just take your authority that's been given to you. And watch how that changes everything. Amen. Matthew chapter 1. Are you there? I just wanted to give you a little bit of time to find Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to move from the word of God. I mean, there's so much there. We could stay uh, so long on the authority of the word of God. I think you have that. You need to just take some time to meditate, declare those things. We want to go to the next part of our authority, which is incredibly powerful, so wonderful. If we get a revelation of this, it will, it will actually change everything because the word of God can be spoken, but sometimes we feel like, is, is that enough? Or the enemy contradicts that. But there's something behind that is more powerful than I believe that we know, that we need a greater revelation of it because it's not something that we're able to simply try, but it's something that we need to know carries the authority that all of heaven will back. And that's the name of Jesus. So Matthew chapter 1 and starting verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being, being a just man and not wanting to make a public example, 
he was, uh, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So this name Jesus is very important. Now you may know some people called Jesus, Jesus, Joshua, which is a Hebrew, Yeshua for Jesus. So lots of people have this name. And if we just use the name of Jesus, just like we would somebody that we knew very well, it's not going to really contain the power. But that word, Jesus, means salvation. So God's very big on names. We're not very much today. I mean, you look at what some people call their children, and you're like, oh, my goodness. How are they going to succeed in life? You just keep saying stuff over them. Names mean something. To God, names mean something. When they met God, they renamed the place. You know, some people, you know, once they find out who they are in Christ, might want to go and have a name change. Seriously, you can see the flow of our culture where parents don't even take a consideration. They just flippantly name their children. That name stays with them. And God knows the importance. That's a little tangent. I'll get back to it here. Jesus, such an important name, because this personal individual was going to save all humanity from their sin. So every time Mother Mary said, Jesus, come here, she was saying, Savior of the world, come on. Goes on to say this, it says, so all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So right there, you know, it can just confuse us. Is his name Jesus or is his name Emmanuel? Well, both. Both. But his name Jesus is the one that we focus on because we see that throughout Scripture. In other words, we just look at it this way. God's so wanting to show us the import of the name that he was going to give us to live in victory over life, said, this baby, born of a virgin, you'll call his name Jesus because he'll save people from their sin. Well, how will he do that? Because he will be God manifest in the flesh with us. He'll be Jesus, man, to save the world, but he will be God with us. All man, all God, together with us to save us from our sin. So it's not just a Christmas message as we begin to have that unveiled to us. This name, Jesus, the Savior of the world, who became God with us, has import as we receive that name. Turn over to Hebrews, the first chapter. Hebrews, the first chapter, starting with the very first verse. says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, 
whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who, speaking of Jesus, being the brightness of God's glory and the express image of God's person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. Or you could say it even like this, upholding everything by the power of his word. That's why the word's so important. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. So a couple of things that will help us maybe understand here is, first of all, he's saying to a Hebrew nation who, who understood the word of God through the prophets and then who understood the bridge or the gap between humanity and the spirit realm was through angels. And so they had high esteem of the angel of the Lord who appeared to them through the prophets speaking in many different places in the Old Testament. He said, listen, the the prophets have spoken to you, but now I'm speaking to you personally through my son. And the angels who have a high esteem with you He is higher and has a name higher than the angels. And he's received that name by inheritance, which what does that mean? It means that his name is greater because he's a son. He's a son. And so in his name, because he's an heir, he's a son, that means heir, everything that the father is, he is. So El Shaddai, the Almighty God, is now encompassed in the name Jesus. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace, is now encompassed in the name of Jesus, our Prince of Peace. Jehovah Rapha, our healer, is now encompassed in the name of Jesus, our healer. Jehovah Jireh, our provider, is now encompassed in the name of Jesus, who supplies our every need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He's our banner. He's everything that the names of God were. Now by inheritance, all of those names of God that were God and made God who he was to his people all come down in inheritance into Jesus. So important that we begin to grab a hold of. We begin to internalize down in our spirit who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Because the authority that we understand, the, the, the grasp that we have will bring a stand that when we speak the name of Jesus, right? We sing songs when I speak the name of Jesus over you. But we can sing it. It's revelation of that name and what he's done and what it means and how it's a part of our life and how it's been engrafted into our life. The conviction of that is where when we say the name of Jesus, things begin to move, things begin to shake, things begin to happen. It's not a matter of just trying it. It's a matter of understanding and grasping the totality and the fullness of it, which is very hard for us to really grasp. We just catch glimmers of it. We begin to 
See sparkles of it when things happen, but that's why we keep diving in. We keep looking at that. Things in life that don't seem to go our way. When we've spoken the name of Jesus in, in just a way of road or how we used to speak it, when it did work for us, then we get discouraged. I'm so glad that as a 17-year-old boy, I learned this. I learned the power of the name of Jesus. I learned speaking the name of Jesus. And just by faith, just by, by childlike faith, I'd never heard anything like it before, that if you declare something, if you command something in Jesus' name, he'd be right there to do it for you. In prayer, if you'd ask the Father anything in Jesus' name, the Father would do it because of Jesus and the representation. Man, I learned that. And in that, I started laying hands on sick people in the name of Jesus. It's so funny. You get to thinking you know stuff, and it just doesn't work the same as when you don't know anything. You just do it by faith. Just saw classmates get healed. People get healed. Man, it just impressed my life. This name of Jesus is really powerful. Yet so many Christians don't even, they, they sing about it. They don't know the import of the name. Doesn't know that the devil trembles. Trembles at the name of Jesus. He doesn't care if you have a religion. He's concerned that you know the name. And you know what the name represents and the power of the name. That's why he said in Acts chapter uh, 4 when they're talking, they said, listen, we got to do something about these guys who just worked this miracle. So they said, we'll tell you something. If you preach in the name of Jesus, we're going to kill you. But you can go ahead and raise people up and do whatever you're going to do, just not in that name. Why? Because they knew that there's no other name under heaven by which people are to be saved, healed, delivered, set free, made whole, and prospered except the name of Jesus. Because of everything that Jesus did and all that he represents. It's going to be critical. If you're sitting there saying, I know all this. Come on, if our life isn't successful over every strategy of the enemy, we still have some knowing to do. If we're still settling for second best and sin in our life that's dominating areas of our life, we still have a little ways to go because that was never the intention of God to live mediocre, dogging our tracks by sin, falling into temptation because of the lie of the enemy, but knowing who we are in Christ through the word of God, taking the authority over every strategy of the enemy in Jesus' name with all that it represents and knowing that we've been washed by the blood of Jesus so there's no stain of sin. We shouldn't go back and say, but I've done this and I've done that and I can't help it. If we've been washed in the blood, there is no stain of sin left on us then why is it the way that it is? Because we have a lack of understanding of these three principles. And there's no condemnation in that. But there is encouragement to get to know and understand more. And before you can get understanding, you have to have knowledge. So we get into the word, and then we pray for understanding. What is the understanding? It's how it comes together. How does that come together for my life? And once it comes together and you go, aha, I got it, then wisdom comes and it's an application that when we apply it in the name of Jesus, we expect something is going to move. The enemy trembles at believers coming to that knowledge and taking that authority. 
Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 8. New King James says, And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is master or Lord to the glory of God the Father. Weymouth's translation says it like this. And be found, uh, wait a minute, I've got to get up here. And being recognized as truly human, he humbled himself and even stooped to die. Yes, to die on a cross. It is in consequence of this that God has also so highly exalted him and has conferred on him the name which is supreme above every other. In order that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of beings in heaven, of beings on earth, and of beings in the underworld. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is the anointed Messiah of God. Jesus is the Son of the Most High God. Jesus is the Savior of the world. Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our sin. God raised him from the dead to break the power of death, hell, and the grave. And all that goes with that, everything that Jesus has done and accomplished is executed and backed by his name. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, it says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that the eyes of our understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? What is the exceeding greatness of his power? That he released towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked when he raised Christ from the dead, seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but that which is to come. Whoo! Above every name. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything. So we see he was given a name by inheritance, a name greater than the angels. We see that when he died on the cross and became obedient to the plan of God for his life, God highly exalted him, gave him a name that is above every name. And now he raised him and seated him in a place of authority above every other name in the world. For what purpose did God invest Jesus' life so that he could be the head over the church, so that the church might have the authority to do the will of God and fill all things everywhere with God's plan for himself. He did it for us. He did it for us. Colossians chapter 2, starting verse 11, it says, entering... This is the Message Bible. Entering into this fullness is not something you figure out or achieve. It's not a matter of being circumcised or keeping a long list of laws. No, you're already in. Insiders. Not through some secret initiation rite, but rather through what Christ has already gone through for you. Destroying. Somebody say destroying. Destroying the power of 
of sin. If it's an initiation ritual you're after, you've already been through it by submitting to baptism. Going under the water was a burial of your old life. Coming, out, coming up out of it was a resurrection. God raising you from the dead as he did Christ. When you were stuck in your old sin-dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive. Right along with Christ, think of it. All sins forgiven. The slate wiped clean. That old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross, and he marched them naked through the streets. Come on, he did that all for us. And he told us he did that for us so we could be delivered from the power of darkness, so that we could know that his victory is our victory. And when the enemy comes with that sham authority and says, I, you can't help it, I have control, we know he doesn't. We know we've been redeemed. And we know that in the name of Jesus, we are free. Amen. And then we begin to be skillful and we know that name. I, I love Ramah Singers and Band used to sing, all heaven stands at attention when I mention that name. Those in heaven, and those under the earth, they know that name. They've already been mastered by it. On earth, we need to understand how to use that name. Can't just try to use that name. When we read Acts chapter 19, maybe we'll go into it. These seven sons of Sceva saw demons being delivered as Paul declared the name of Jesus. And so they went and they said, in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches. And the demon said, Jesus we know, and Paul we know. But who are you? And they jumped on all seven of them. They ran out in the streets naked. This is not something we just try and go, well, that didn't work. This is ours. They weren't believers. This name has been given to us. This name that is above every name as sons and daughters of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. He received his name by inheritance, and we are joint heirs. We receive that same name to use by inheritance. And we're just looking for glimmers of revelation and to get that revelation for it to work in, in, in totality or in a greater measure, we first of all have to have a revelation of who it is that we serve. Paul said in Romans chapter one over and over and over again, he writes and he says, Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through, the script, through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is born, was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. Through him we have great, received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. He said when we realize that our life is in service to God, God's life isn't in service to us. Unfortunately, many times we've come to the place of thinking, you know what, God's here for me. Whatever I want, whatever makes me feel good. And we've flipped it unconsciously by a lie of the enemy that God exists to serve us. 
But we're here to serve him. We're not here to serve him in slavish certitude, servitude. We're here to serve him in freedom, to be all that we've created to be in fellowship with him, that his will might be done in our life and in our world as it is in heaven. And when we understand that that's what we're serving and the people we're serving is to do the will of God, the name of Jesus will back everything that he's, we've set out to do that he's given us to do. We need to have a revelation of whose we are. Whose we are. 1 Corinthians 6 says he's speaking to the, the church at, at Corinth and they, they're sleeping with the, the temple prostitutes. They're in immorality. And he says, don't you know that your body is not your own? You don't belong to yourself anymore. You've been bought at the price of the precious blood of Jesus. Now your body and your spirit belong to God. And when we have that revelation that I don't belong to myself, I'm not serving my self-interest, but I belong to God, and I'm serving the will of God, not in some grudging, laborsome servitude, but in joy and peace, knowing that the will of God being fulfilled means salvation for many, and the experience and sin and destruction being broken over people's lives, then I'm in with joy. He says, the revelation, you can't do it by yourself, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, according to the word of God, sealed by the name of Jesus. Things get done. Things get done. Praise the Lord. We're going to take a little bit of time to talk about the authority in this name. Because when you realize the authority that you have in the name of Jesus, you know, I know, the enemy doesn't like that, but it doesn't matter what he likes. We know that some of the things you've been praying about, you've been begging God for. I believe you'll get a revelation to say, you know what, I don't need to beg God for that anymore. I just have to declare his word in the name of Jesus. And things will begin to turn around. They'll begin to change to the glory of God the Father. To the glory of God the Father. Why don't you stand up with me? Father, we thank you. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to minister to every heart in life. As only you can. Holy Spirit, I know. Sometimes I wonder, I know that you've given me this message for this people for this time. Help me if I've fallen short. Take the word of God. Make it alive to us. Impress us every day as only you can from the inside out that we would truly begin to meditate on and study this that we might begin to declare, we might begin to understand and have a revelation of the power of your word and the power of the name of Jesus. As we begin to move forward, we're no longer simply going in the course of this world directed by the prince of the power of the air. But we begin to see more clearly than ever before the course of the kingdom of God, the goodness and the good things that you have planned for our life, no longer buying into the lie of the enemy, but truly seeing the truth and the freedom that comes with knowing the truth. Move on every heart and every life, I pray. In Jesus' name.
Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. That wonderful name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you, Lord. Just one moment. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. This authority that we're talking about over circumstances and strategies of the enemy, it all begins when you make Jesus the Lord of your life. We said from Acts chapter 4, there's no other name under heaven by which men can be saved, just Jesus. For no other one is given their life, no other one is raised from the dead, just Jesus. God doesn't want you to go to hell. He's not condemning you to hell. He sent Jesus to save you. This morning, if you don't know Jesus, today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off any other day. Now is the time to get to know him and understand all that he has planned for you and the authority that he has to live over things that have hindered you and sought to destroy your life in times past. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I just want to pray that short prayer with you that we talked about at the beginning of service. Very simple. Just pray that prayer with you. Anybody here? Just in case. Don't want you to go home without knowing. Anybody here? Say, today's my day. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Anybody at all? Just raise your hand high. I want to pray with you. If that's you, you need to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life today. Life's but a vapor. Don't put it off to another day. Who knows what tomorrow will bring. Right now is a great day to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Anybody at all? Praise the Lord. See one back there. Anybody else want to join this one? Make Jesus the Lord of their life. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, let's just all pray this together. Sometimes we pray it together. Just help somebody as they're, they're, they're pondering that, moving into that. Let's just say this. Father God, Father God, I come to you this morning, and I'm ready to lay my way of doing things down. I believe that Jesus died for my sin. That you raised him from the dead so that I could be forgiven and made righteous. So this morning, I ask Jesus to come into my heart and be the Lord, the master, and the savior of my life. I renounce sin and ask you to forgive me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, the Bible says that you've entered into a newness of life. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new, and now everything is of God. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, there will be altar workers up here, and they'll want to give you just a, a little packet, a gift from us that will help you on your journey, just many books, not anything big, but will help you uh, move forward with Jesus as the Lord of your life. Why don't we say this? We go, what God did in Christ Jesus, far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day.